Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. All right, buddy, there you go. Electric Eye from the Double Platinum Screaming for Vengeance album, 1982, Judas Priest. I thought it very fitting for some of the... Uh, you know, the goings on out of DC this these days where people are very concerned that the powers that be are, you know, sort of stripping us of our, our personal privacy rights in an effort to get everyone to get the vaccine. And so, you know, they have the electric eye up in the sky watching us all to make sure we've all been vaccinated. And as usual, I don't know how much of that to believe and how much of it is just hyperbole by the media, but I thought the song was fitting. And it's a great song. It's terrific. I mean, I think a couple of little known facts about that song and that group. One, the song was written by Burt Bacharach. So uh, one of the great- A lot of uh, people don't know that. Don't know that. Great yeah. songwriters of the 70s and 80s. Uh, he wrote that song. And then two, when they did the mall tour, right? The live tour, mm -hmm. uh, they were sandwiched between uh, Tiffany and Debbie Gibson on the uh, show sets. Right. So uh, um, not a reference of anything inappropriate. The show sets. Right. So Tiffany right. would go on. Then this group uh, and Judas then Priest. Judas Priest. I was about to say Iron Maiden. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> boy, would I, I would have looked dumb. I would have looked dumb then. Uh, and, uh, and, then, and then Debbie Gibson would go on yes. and then usually um, you would get. Uh, and then Iron Maiden. The, yeah. And then the new kids on the block would wrap mm. it up. Yeah, that, that was a great tour. Yeah, well, this is uh, that's exciting. Great. I, I, I think I attended that tour. Let me tell you the story about the time I uh, went to a Bengals uh, concert and I was given the once over by the uh, great Susanna Hoffs. No, you didn't. I like so Susanna I Hoffs and the Bengals. Well, that's the whole story. I, they were singing Walks Like an Egyptian, and I'm pretty yes. sure that I was given the once over. You know, the old runaround. Yes. A little bit, yeah. I mean, you know, you, there's a there's some gray area between the once over and the runaround, but I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just in that in that middle, you know, the middle yeah. of the field between the forties, where nothing but dust and a pile of rickets, so to speak. Yes. Anyway, uh, IP frequently we're back again uh, in the middle of summer, uh, the summer of uh, twenty uh, twenty one, and uh, oh, what a summer it's been. Indeed. It's, it's better than last year for sure. I'm not wearing a mask. I can sit at a bar. I like all of those things. But we don't seem as, certainly in the United States and in many places around the globe, we don't seem to want to get over the pandemic. We want the pandemic to last. We, we want 
there to be more variants. We want to have a hubbub about the vaccine. And I realize that there are folks who, you know, are opposed to vaccines in general, but I cannot remember, at least in my lifetime, there being this much consternation over a vaccine. But you know what? We, we, we do enjoy us here in the 21st century, a good pandemic. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's living up to its reputation as the uh, pandemic of the decade. And uh, well, we'll just, we'll just dive right into the, the whole COVID thing. I mean, there are a lot of folks out there who are wondering what they should do to uh, further their small business in light of the global pandemic. And we're here to help. We are here. As always. Mm-hmm. As always. So uh, the Delta variant, now about 90% of U.S. cases, um, there is a big backlash against the uh, the vaccines, as you said. Uh, there, there are some folks who are vaccinated who are, are coming or are testing positive for uh, for COVID. And uh, a lot of people have, have said that this this whole vaccine thing is a conspiracy by the government to implant you with a tracking device. What, what say you? Do you think it's uh, you think that's uh, that's that's a wise uh, theory or, or no? Well, I, buddy, all of this makes me a little bit nuts. Right. So if you've been listening to the podcast, you know, I, I have just enough of a medical background to be dangerous. I, I readily admit that almost all of my training is in trauma, which is different than virology. But we do get some of that because, you know, biological weapons are, are out there. But the thing you got to understand about a vaccine, it's not a force field. Right. So the idea of a vaccine is it's going to prepare the battlefield inside your body to win this war with this particular foreign thing. Right. And so your body makes these things called antibodies. If though if you have inside you the body for which you have the antibody, then it helps accelerate the whole process of your immune system. I won't go into all that. It's fairly complicated. But that's the idea of a vaccine right? is it just sort of jump starts your own immune system. The concept being that if you are infected by this particular thing, you won't feel the illness, it won't have an impact on you, or it'll have a relatively minor impact on you because you've already got the jump start on the whole immune process. Right? That's the idea of a vaccine. The, the concept that people are freaked out, if you, if you are vaccinated for anything and you walk past someone who is infected with that thing or you have an interaction with them that is sufficient for there to be transfer of the virus or bacteria or whatever the case may be, that's going to happen, right? Again, the vaccine is not a force field. The difference is that you should not get sick or should not get as sick. And secondly, of course, there's a tracking device in the vaccine. There's a tracking device in every vaccine. There's a tracking device in the flu vaccine. There's a tracking device in the polio vaccine. The government's been doing that since the 60s. Who cares? Yeah, no, that that's true. I, I had the microchip first put in by my parents, and at the time it was experimental because this was the time back in the '80s when they were doing this to pets, so you wouldn't lose them. Right. Um, and so I had that done. I'm fine. I turned out fine. I, I black out once in a while, but um, I can always find you even when yeah, you black out. It's not out. hard. It's yeah. not hard because that's you have the app. Nice. You have the app. Exactly. Yeah, and I, and I don't yeah. get fleas anymore either, partly because of the uh, heartworm medication. Exactly. So I, I don't know why people are freaking about uh, freaking out about the testing positive or the tracking device. Tracking devices are handy as hell. Apple's making a killing on that little tracking device they're selling and you got it for free. Plus, you're probably not going to get sick if you're exposed to the virus. It's it's the double. It's a win win. It's the classic win win. You can be found if you're lost and you won't feel the effects of the virus. 
Yeah, that's two two for the price of one. And 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 now we're seeing because of this whole hullabaloo, we're seeing parts of the country go back to COVID level restrictions that require mask wearing in public from both vaccinated and unvaccinated folks. So the the county of Los Angeles now back to the mask mandate. Yeah, Some well, restaurants just, are closing they were down. Just looking for an excuse to do that in Los Angeles. They suck. Yeah, well, they can't wait. And, and, and they're in the middle of the big uh, recall election, which I think you're the only one on this panel not running. And both myself and Jared have entered uh, the, uh, the the quest to become the next California governor. And if they overturn um, the election and vote to um, for someone other than Newsom, uh, I think about 13% of the people are going to pick the next uh, governor. It might be either that porn star or uh, Bruce, Jack, Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, I can't tell the difference, but I, I think it's great that you guys are running. I mean, I think both of you would do a much better job than Newsom. That state deserves itself. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, that is the ancestral home of the Chiefs, both of my parents from California. And so it's a shame, but it just is what it is. I mean, that 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 is what happens when you vote for those people. That's what you get. And so let that be a little civics lesson for you. If you happen to be sitting in California wondering how the hell did I get here, you voted for it. And if you didn't, your neighbors did, and you should go talk to them about that. Anyway, so the country is back into uh, chaos, Delta variant, Delta variant, all that stuff, masks. And the good news is, right, the good news is we've got leadership that uh, uh, is leading us through this pandemic. Mm. And... uh, uh, last last week, the president had a um, a big uh, town hall where he got out there and he talked about the virus and and where what the current stage is and what we need to be doing with the uh, vaccines. And, and I'll give you a quote uh, to show, and it, and it should give us all uh, some level of comfort that we have someone up there uh, on that wall watching out for us. So the president said, and I quote, and the question is whether or not we should be in a position where our why can't the experts say we know that this virus is in fact it's going to be or excuse we know why the all the drugs approved are not temporarily approved and but permanently approved and that's underway too end quote joe biden um, so there you go. I mean, there. I mean, that must give you um, some level of comfort about the vaccine, about the virus, and about the way we're handling it. Yeah. No. I mean, obviously. I mean, when you get when you get when you are able to cut to the heart of the matter, like Joe Biden regularly is, and do it so clearly and so succinctly that even a school child is just nodding their head and saying, "Yes, I get where you're going with this." You know, it almost makes Kennedy's inauguration speech just look childish, right? Yeah. I mean, when you when you have that kind of use of the conjunction and the preposition and occasionally a noun and then every once in a while a verb, the way Biden does it, I mean, you just, you know, no matter what people say about the Delta variant or mass or no mass or North Korea or Russia or China, you put your head on that pillow and you sleep like a baby, because Joe's on that wall for you, trying yeah. to combine English words into an intelligent sentence and occasionally doing exactly that. That is a good, solid, um, that, that took me what, about a minute to read. That's one sentence. Um, and the good news is it's, it, we are filming this uh, live here in studio, uh, IP Frequently, the number one business podcast in the globe. 
on the globe, in the globe, in the world. Both. On the globe. On the globe and in the globe. Around the globe. And it is 519 local time here in Iowa. And so uh, I'm pretty confident that he's sound asleep right now. Well, yeah. I mean, he probably has a meeting, but that's never stopped him from, you know, getting 40 winks. The man knows the value of a little shut-eye. He's like John Daly in that respect. Yeah, John Daly, again, liked to eat his M&Ms, uh, drink bourbon, and uh, um, And then sleep. inevitably take a nap. I mean, that's what happens. Yeah. So uh, as part of this whole global uh, uh pandemic we have uh, our uh, partner our greatest ally the United Kingdom is uh, engulfed in what they call pingdemic pingdemic is this new tracking application that they're using to track people who are in contact with folks who have tested positive for covid 19 uh, it uh, continues to go up and basically what it is is it's an app on your phone uh, that everyone is uh, required to download or strongly suggested that they do and it uh, pings if you've been in contact with someone and you're told to go and self-isolate for, for two weeks. And mm. so the numbers keep going up and the number of people that are getting pinged. And I, I think mm-hmm. uh, last last uh, week it was 44,000 a day and then the next day it was 60 and now it's up over 80,000 Brits a day are getting, get, getting uh, these pings saying to go self-isolate. There are now, I guess, food, food shortages in the United Kingdom uh, because of ping gate uh, or ping demic or whatever they call it. And so uh, look, big brother is, uh, is everywhere. And that's one of the great things about technology. Not only can they track you with the, uh, with the injection with the virus, but they can, the, the, uh, the, the vaccine, but they can also track you with the apps they put on your phone and then they can cause you to go and isolate for, for a couple of weeks. And see this, I, I, I love this because I, you have heard me say this. I've said this on a number of occasions is again, our, our vast shortwave radio listening audience knows I, I spent, you know, over 20 years working for the government, either in the military or in federal law enforcement and people, when, when you have that background, then, you know, if you're sitting around talking people in, inevitably, especially people of a particular bent want to know, you know, what conspiracies the government is actually running, right? It just used to make me laugh every time. And my standard response was, hey, this is the same government that brings you Amtrak and the Susan B. Anthony dollar, right? We, we cannot get out of our own way, okay? There's, there's no secret, ultra-sophisticated branch of the government. The government is a crap show. There's no way the government could run a conspiracy. And, and this pandemic in the UK demonstrates right that, right? I mean, this is not rocket science. People, the, the average person in this day and age has dozens of applications that do amazing things running on a little device that fits in their pocket. And yet when the government steps in and tries to, to take advantage of that technology for something as simple as saying, well, okay, if you are within a certain radius of someone who has tested positive for X, Y, or Z, then we're going to let, you know, we're going to keep track of that. We're going to let all those people know. And of course, it's come off the rails, right? Why? Because it's, it's run by the government. It's a joke. And, and so I, I think it's awesome. Let that be, everybody who is a conspiracy theorist, pay attention. When the government steps into something, even something as relatively simple as a mobile phone application, of which there are tens of thousands, many of which do amazing things, when the government tries to take advantage of that, they screw it up. 
That should be a comfort for everyone. There's no conspiracy. Governments can't do it. If you're worried about someone being capable and competent enough to take advantage of you or know something about you you don't want them to know, look at private industry. But whatever you do, do not look at your government. It's run by morons. They can't do it. Yeah, it's definitely not what we're looking for. But the good news is, Brad, we have uh, little things going on in the world that help take our mind off the global pandemic uh, of 2020 and 2021. And for example, uh, as you know, and, and uh, uh, the audience knows, um, I am a huge fan of the Olympic Games. Ever since uh, the first Olympics way, way back, uh, hundreds of years ago. Yeah. yeah, Lake Placid, I believe, the first mm -hmm. Olympics took place mm -hmm. at Lake Placid in New York. Uh, but ever since then, um, I follow it. I actually keep score, like uh, someone attending a baseball game, just go from the channels back to badminton. Okay, it's badminton. Now it's surfing. Now it's surfing. Okay, now it's three-on-three three basketball. Um, but the Olympics have opened up. What a glorious day in Tokyo, Japan, land of the rising sun. Uh, unfortunately, of course, there were the, the typical hiccups you get in any pre-opening of the Olympics. Uh, I guess the show director for the Tokyo Olympics, Kentaro Kobayashi, um, had to resign. He was the director for the opening ceremony, uh, which was filled with pomp and circumstance and pageantry. Um, and we'll get to that. But he had to he had to resign the day before the opening ceremony because of comments he made in 1998 in a comedy skit that um, poked fun at the Holocaust, of course, something that's always a rib tickler for everyone. Oh, um, and so he was he was forced to, to step down. And as you know, that's on top of a composer for the ceremony, the opening ceremony he had to step down a few days before that um, because he had given an interview um, uh, in the past about how he enjoyed as a child abusing disabled schoolmates and not to be outdone, the creative director also had to leave the same day. Um, this was Hiroshi Sasaki, uh, Sasaki, 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 Sasaki. I'll get it, keep it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I'll get it some, I can't spell yeah. it and I'm reading it, I can't spell it. Uh, he also resigned after suggesting that a plus size female athlete appear uh, in a skit as a dressed as a pig. Um, so probably not the way, uh, not the way, and this is coming from the BBC. So this is, yeah. this is, uh, all the news that's fit to print. So this is probably not the way you want to start an Olympic games. Well, no, but at least, you know, they're not athletes and to the, it will certainly benefit the Japanese Olympic committee who somehow is going to have to make up the, I'm certain at least hundreds of millions, if not into the billions of dollars that was invested in preparing for these games. And then the decision is made, well, we're not going to, we're not going to lay anybody in. So no one's going to be buying tickets. Right. And so I, I mean, somehow they're going to have to make up that shortfall and you can do that by not paying these three guys or, you know, having to give them any form of retirement. Right. So I'm yeah. sure that that was probably on the minds of folks as they fired them. Although, you know, it's not as, you know, certainly one can make the argument that you shouldn't be judged on things that have happened decades ago, that people mature and everyone makes mistakes. I get that. 
but you probably want to shy away from jokes about the Holocaust, picking on disabled folks, or suggesting that a plus-sized athlete dresses a pig. Yeah. Those are all things that if you see those on a multiple choice exam, you probably want to go with something else. Anything else. You might guess, yeah. At least they didn't do it. I guess at least it wasn't done in blackface. I guess that's what you can say in their, yeah. in their defense. Sure, yeah. All right. I mean, yeah, that's and then, and then positive here. As soon as those three went out, I mean, the good news is Papua New Guinea reversed its decision and came back into the fold and is participating in these games now. Uh, it, it initially said it was not going to because of COVID concerns, but now thank goodness they're back in and they're going to start meddling any, uh, any day Psych. now. Oh, yeah, any yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I, I did also think it was interesting that uh, Naomi Osaka, the woman who withdrew from the last three tennis majors, um, very accomplished female tennis player uh, because of anxiety concerns and not wanting to um, not wanting to be in front of a lot of people or be seen in, in high profile places. Um, stepped out of Wimbledon, stepped out of the French Open, didn't do it. Uh, but she lit the torch uh, at the Olympic ceremony, the opening ceremony. Normally you would say, oh my goodness, that is such a high profile position. How could anyone with any type of um, an anxiety condition or concern do it? You remember to Muhammad Ali in 1996 and OJ Simpson in 84 and all the great athletes who've lit those cauldrons of fire before. But uh, then you realize there's no one in the stadium. It's completely empty. Yeah. So it really wasn't that, that much yeah, of the a The anxiety uh, just kind of, the whole bottom drops out when there's literally away. no one there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I it, And, you know, the events are great. They, they had, uh, NBC has dozens of channels where you can watch just about anything. I was watching some surfing. I actually watched a, uh, a round of um, dirt bike racing. Nice. Dirt like bike that. racing. Yeah. yeah. So that was yeah. interesting. It was fascinating. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so you and I will continue to report on this, but boy, are we uh, amped and pumped. And, 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 and It is always amazing to me that, and I guess it shouldn't be. I mean, obviously if these sports make it into the Olympics, people do them, but I'm in the same boat you are. I was watching skateboarding the other day and the guy who is doing, so, you know, I mean, you got your classic announcer at some NBC talking head. He has no idea what he's even looking at. It's just his job to be there. But sitting next to him is some, you know, former professional skateboarder. And damned if the guy isn't explaining what's going on. I mean, so if you haven't seen this, there's just like, it's a, it's a purpose-built, bespoke, concrete I don't even know what you call obstacle course, right? There are stairs, there are ramps, there are railings, there's, you know, this and that and jumps and whatnot. And these guys and gals are out there on the skateboard. It's amazing to watch. You and I would both be dead in the first 10 seconds of attempting to do it with these mostly kids are doing on these skateboards. And damn it, there isn't some guy there who's literally making it understandable for you know, a middle-aged guy like myself who has no idea what's going on. I'm listening to this guy. I'm going, oh, and all of a sudden you find yourself cheering for this guy who's sliding down a railing sideways on a skateboard for reasons known only to himself. And you find yourself saying, damn, you know, that was, that was interesting. That was a good trick. And that's what I love about the Olympics. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you, you just said it. I mean, that, that would be a nice catchy slogan. I mean, that would be enough if I watched that on the TV. Um, to get me to watch, but I'm already watching. I'm all in on these Olympic games, all yeah. in on these Olympic games. There you go. And I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, next, Brad, we've got um, uh, big news in uh, space. 
Uh, we've got the billionaires in space, Jeff Bezos on the one hand, and we've got Richard Branson on the other. Both of them went up into space. Branson went up into space on a thing that kind of looked like a uh, an airplane, mm-hmm. like a, a big airplane. And then um, the other, Be- Bezos went up in something that looked very phallic like a giant, Let me guess, I was going to say like a giant penis, because that would be fitting for yeah, Jeff Bezos. He, he did. He, he did. should ride a penis into space. Well, he, he, yeah, he, he did. Much, You're telling me he did. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much, pretty much yeah. did. Um, okay. Good. So again, we do cover, as you know, on the program, the uh, uh, billionaires in space. We like to do anything related to space, particular hot, fiery planets like Venus. In mm. this case, they went up and they were back within like 10 or 15 minutes. That's um, the downside of the program is they come back. I have no trouble with them going to space. Yeah. It's the coming back part that I find depressing. I, I can think of a few people you'd like to see them take with them into and space. And just leave, yes. One-way Stay ticket. Stay there. One-way yes. ticket. Speaking yes. of, well, I, I probably should say this, but I will. I did buy a certain relative a one-way ticket to Uranus uh, for Christmas last year. Not my anus. No, no, no. Oh, no, okay. absolutely not. Right. Absolutely yeah. not. That's not a planet. True. Yeah. But anyway, Bezos goes up into yeah. space, comes back 11 minutes later. He's got a, he's got a, uh, I guess he, flo- I guess he floated around for a few minutes, like fluttered around. And then he came back and then he had a cowboy hat on when he emerged in uh, somewhere in Texas where the thing landed. Yeah. I mean, no one more in their soul, a cowboy than Jeff Bezos. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Good guy though. Good. Yeah, good salt of the good. earth. Good guy. And in, in a related note, it looks like um, the number of so so a recent report that the number of folks who are actually uh, flying these days, um, not necessarily to space, um, but flying in general in the United States is, has increased tenfold from a year ago. And I understand that the number of cancellations in terms of uh, you know American or JetBlue. Uh, are averaging between Southwest or averaging between like 40% and 58%. So, so a good 50% of flights are just being canceled. More people are flying than at any time before the, uh, since before the pandemic. And uh, now I don't know if this has anything to do with the air traffic um, around the U S being somehow um, uh, impacted by the billionaires in space. I'm just not sure about that. Um, but it seems like it's a troubling, uh, troubling uh, 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 happenstance that uh, suddenly all these flights are being canceled. Do you think it has anything to do with Bezos and Branson? Uh, probably not. In fairness, probably not. Although you do, I'm sure, have to clear a fairly sizable swath of the airspace when one of these jackals decides he wants to go into space. But again, you know, I mean, it's not uncommon. Rocket launches are not uncommon in this day and age. So I'm sure they, they have some way to manage that. But what's astounding to me is, is not just, you know, the increase in travel. I, I sort of get that people have been bottled up for a year. They want to go places. Uh, my family and I have been in airports a little bit over the summer. They are zoos, universally zoos. But what's amazing to me is that, you know, even with that number of cancellations, is the number of people that are just losing their freaking minds on an airplane, right? I mean, the number of just crazy events that have happened on an airplane are, you know, I think I read someplace that's like 500% higher incidents on airplanes 
than in any other given, you know, similar period of time in the past. And it's really no wonder, right? I mean, for whatever reason, we're still pretending that, you know, masks are necessary and helpful on an airplane, right? I mean, and, and it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's, but it's driving people crazy. And then you've got these smug airline employees who are just riding people with, you know, two-year-olds that are autistic, just riding them about their kid having a mask on as though that makes any difference. And, you know, so it's just no wonder that people are losing their minds. And if the airline industry doesn't start to get it straight, you know, I mean, it's going to be very hard to continue to bail those people out. I saw a video the other day of someone who had been duct duct taped to a seat on an airplane uh, because she was like probably drunk and unruly and she was going after trying to open the door. Um, And uh, so they literally sat her down and a couple of passengers held her down while the stewardess literally took a roll of duct tape and just went around and around (laughs) and around and around. And then they showed this woman and she's just sitting there in this seat completely duct taped to this seat. Yeah. But, uh, but she seemed to be enjoying it, though. Well, I mean, you know, depending on how you, you do the duct tape, it, it can be fine. It's very secure. I mean, she would have survived any sort of turbulence. Oh, yeah, you're not going anywhere. And the yeah. airbags will deploy and you won't move. So that, that's the yeah. good thing. Yeah, no, that's great. That's the good thing. Well, that, next, Brad, the, the big uh, insurrection, the, the, the worst um, uh, example of civil unrest uh, since the Civil War, mm. makes sense. Um, uh, it, it's now being investigated. The Democrats have appointed um, a bunch of Democrats to the committee that's going to get to the bottom of what happened in this um, sedition. And uh, I guess the Republicans were entitled to nominate five people and the Democrats rejected them. And then they appointed Republicans they wanted to appoint. Um, so it looks like a it looks like a fairly balanced process, and then at the same time, the Democrats are entering um, some new legislation, I guess this week that would prevent a majority Republican House from electing Donald Trump's Speaker, uh, which you can obviously do. Right, <laughs> you can elect a Speaker of the House who's not a member of Congress. It's never been done before, uh, but uh, it, it, the, the Constitution doesn't require that the Speaker be a member of the House. And so there's a lot of a lot of people afraid of that. I mean, that that would just be something, wouldn't it? That would be hilarious. I mean, again, if you you and I both kind of fall in the same category, if you listen to the podcast again, you know, if we're leaning one direction, it's typically right. But you know, both of us try to kind it's of never. You know, it's never Wong. It's never Wong. Well, that's true, and we try to call him as we see him. But I, I mean, if you're if you are like us, then you believe the government is just completely broken anyway. I mean, it's just absolutely broken. And so you might, it might as well be entertaining. I mean, if, if they're not actually going to legislate, if they're not going to lead, if they're not going to get out in front of the interests of democracy worldwide and, you know, try to make lives better for people, both within this country and without, if you're not going to do those things, then at least be entertaining and not very many things would be more entertaining than just just the process of electing Donald Trump Speaker of the House would push so many people over the edge that, yeah, I mean, you are, you are going to pop some corn, sit behind the velvet ropes, and just enjoy yourself for a while. And what, ask yourself, honestly, I mean, whether you're listening to us and you're a huge Trump person, 
or you're listening to us and you hate him with the white hot intensity of a thousand suns, just stop and think about the entertainment value of that. And, and honestly ask yourself if it would make any difference. Yeah. Because the answer is no. The answer is no difference, but it would be entertaining as hell. And so, Hey, yeah, just the fact that they're trying to introduce legislation that would prevent it from happening is entertaining as hell. So, you know, it's I'm enough for, to make I'm you want it to that. happen. Yeah, yeah, it's enough to make I'm you want it to happen. So yeah. we'll continue to monitor that. And uh, at some point, we're going to get to the bottom of this big uh, conspiracy to overthrow the government. Which what are we trying to get? It just it riddle me this, buddy, because you again, you pay more attention to these things. The, you're savvier when it comes to them than I am for sure. I, I think I know what happened. On January the 6th, right? I mean, I think we all know what happened on January the 6th. What are we getting to the bottom of? Well, Brad, look, th this was sedition. It was treason. It took place on the doorsteps of the most hallowed ground in our government. And so we have to get to the bottom of what who was behind it? Who was behind this mob that almost took over the U.S. government? It's a mob. There's no one behind a mob. Definitionally. There is no one behind a mob. That's why they call it a mob. Uh, well, listen, I would uh, think that um, uh, certain uh, New York mobsters from the 1950s would disagree with you. Sam Giancana would disagree with you. But also, how about the woman that put her, the man that put his feet on Nancy Pelosi's desk? Yeah, unconscionable. Um, I mean, how do, we, do we not need to learn more about that? I mean, she's the Speaker of the House, for goodness sakes, until Trump takes over. In, a, in another year. Yeah. You just picture him standing behind Biden during the State of the Union. Oh, buddy, again, don't tease me. I mean, this is this. If you think the Olympics is fun, you wait until that happens. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, and, and the beauty of that is then we can all agree left, right, center, what have you, libertarian, God bless you, whatever you are, we can all look at each other in the eye as we walk down the street and just start laughing because we will all have to admit that our government has just become a circus. Nothing more than a circus at that point. And I think that'll be healthy. Uh, so let's see what we got. We got uh, a barter band this week. Uh, so Brad, um, the Autobahn Society of the Mid-Atlantic is noticing uh, a troubling pattern, dead birds with infected eyes, mostly jays, robins, gackles, grackles, and starlings. Are gackles um, different than grackles? No, it was grackles. I, I oh, said grackles. Oh, oh, okay, all right. I didn't right. think it would matter. I didn't think anyone would have the temerity to call me on it, but thank you for that. Well, I, I don't uh, know birds well. I thought maybe they were two separate kind of birds. I was going to enjoy that, but anyway. So, so, so their eyeballs birds, are not good. The birds are um, dropping like flies. Only they're birds. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the Autobahn Society in the Mid-Atlantic is monitoring this. Uh, they are... Um, they're saying there are really two symptoms. One is that the bird's eyes get crusty, uh, showing signs of an infection around their eyes. And then there's some neurological symptoms like the twitching of bird, of, of the bird body parts or the whole bird twitching or showing general lethargy or disorientation. And then eventually, of course, they die. And mm -hmm. so this has led to the folks at the uh, Autobahn Society of the Mid-Atlantic to say that bird feeders need to be barred, right? And bird bats need to be barred because when the birds congregate and when we encourage um, birds to congregate, uh, it's going to increase the chance of transmitting and spreading this disease. And then you end up with a dead gackle. 
And so um, I guess the question to you is, should bird feeders, bird bats, anything that generally brings birds together, I don't know if there's a, an app, like a Tinder type app, but any of that, I mean, should all that be just barred or banned, whichever is the, the, word, the more severe, and then we just keep the birds apart, right? And then they can't spread the disease and then the gackles live. Do birds not know to stay six feet apart? I mean, I thought everybody knew that. Well, apparently they're not social distancing, Brad, and that's a problem. And, and, and what they're saying is that you need to take your feeders inside, clean them with a 10% bleach solution diluted with water to kill any lingering pathogens. And they also say in an encouraging note, thus far the illness hasn't spread to household pets or human beings. So cats and dogs, goldfish, uh, and uh, you know, the occasional lizard uh, are, uh, are, are the fine. Gecko. The gecko, gecko is fine, for instance. Yeah, but they're basically saying the first warning sign of this, is, if it's a problem, is if you have a bunch of dead birds just laying around your yard. Which is what they do, right? I mean, I, I've seen a few dead birds in my lifetime and they just lay around. I mean, there's, you sort of can recognize them almost at a distance because it's a bird just laying there dead. And I, you know, I mean, I, is, I, part of me is saying this is just a case of misery loves company, right? So we, have, as humans, who have always been designed to live in community, right? I mean, when you just, mankind in his natural habitat, we hang out together. We like that, right? So we, we've convinced ourselves we can't do that anymore uh, because of a, of a virus, right? As though there's, there's never been a virus before in the history of mankind, Right, so we've, we've convinced ourselves we have to stay apart. And so now is this just like misery loves company, buddy? Like now we're going to force the birds to stay apart? We're not going to feed them or allow them to bathe. And I guess if you're on the Autobahn Society, you get up on your rooftop and you just shout at any grackles, gackles, jays, crows, owls, whatever the case may be. If you see them within six feet, you just shout epithets at them until they become embarrassed and separate. And maybe if you've got two bird children that live across the street from each other and they've always played together and you see that happening, you call the local police, right? And you say, wait a minute, you know, you could have crusty eyeballs if you continue to socialize in your very selfish avian way. So you got to stay six feet apart. I mean, that certainly has worked well on the human level. And I imagine it'll work as well on the bird level. Why not? I mean, if only there were an app where you could warn these birds in advance and then have them socially distance and then isolate for a period of time. If only we had that technology and you could ping them, right? And then they would go off into their, into their you know, their, their nest uh, or a bird house, not a bird bath, because that would no, be banned in this. Or bird feeder, or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, bird feeder. Well, you couldn't really do a feeder, that's out. Yeah. Um, but somewhere where they could they could isolate for a period of 10 days, and then, you know, theoretically, they'd be fine. Yeah, well, you know what we need here. It's clear. We need government involvement. Yeah. If we got government, if the government would pay attention instead of just the folks building the highways, if the government would pay attention to this, it'd be solved in a heartbeat. It's too bad that they're ignoring it. They do tell, they, they, the last bit of advice that you get from the uh, folks at the uh, AAA is that humans handling the dead birds should wear gloves and wash their hands immediately after handling said dead birds. I, I don't, you know, if I, if I have a dead bird and I haven't noticed any, um, 
but but it, you know occasionally we get one that flies into a window and breaks yeah, sure. its neck. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've never been close enough to that dead bird to tell whether its eyes are crusty. That's mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And typically, I will take the thing for the dog poo and just pick it up and throw it over the fence into the neighbor's yard, and then it becomes their problem. Is that not the appropriate way to deal with this? Well, for years, that's the way that homicides were handled in New York City, effectively until Rudy Giuliani got there. If you found a body in your precinct, you just drag it into the next precinct. Yeah, not your problem. It's clearly not your problem. Yeah. So, no, I think that's fine. I think you're you're fine. And, again, I I, I do – if you have a penchant for handling dead birds, then I do think you should wear gloves. And yeah. probably see a doctor. It's a bird but, plague. Yeah. Bird plague. Bird plague. Uh, well, bird finally, death. finally, Brad, I think we uh, are ending this week on the, um, on the great, we promised it to everyone and we don't disappoint. Uh, Venera Chronicles is back after a two week hiatus. Oh, it's I, eyes, I missed the Venera Chronicles. I its eyes are a little bit crusty and it seems to be twitching, but it's still alive. <laughs> it's still alive. Yeah. Venera 13. We're up to Venera 13. It's amazing, isn't it? That is amazing. I, I, the, I tell you what, you can say what you will about the former Soviet Union, but they did not give up easily. I mean, they have crapped the sheets 12 times in a row trying to get to Venus. And, and yet there's a 13. Yeah, 13. There's a 13 and a 14. Now, we're not going to talk about 14 this week, but... Uh, 13 and 14 were identical spaceships, right? Some would say craft, other ships, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was part of the 1981 Venus launch opportunity where there was a cycle where you could launch these rockets at the planet Venus and they would have like a very low probability of doing anything meaningful. Um, so they were launched five days apart, but Venera 13 was launched on October 30th, 1981. That was the night before Halloween. It uh, took about four months and two days to get to the planet Venus. And then the lander lasted 127 minutes. <laughs> exactly. 127. So, that, you know, so that's like a Bill Murray movie, basically. I mean, I think what about Bob was like 97 minutes. Yeah. The, I mean, Bill doesn't screw around. He packs the entertainment in there and he gets out, which I've always appreciated about him. And so, yeah. So that's a, you know, you fly, you go four months for two hours and seven minutes you are not, again, not someone to be lightly deterred. Yeah, and, and it, it, it's interesting. It, uh, of that 127 minutes, about an hour of that was just descending down to the planet. And uh, pretty cool, pretty interesting. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it uh, was hermetically sealed, the lander. Well, it seems like that would be a good idea. Yeah, I'm not sure why they pointed that out, but yeah. uh, they did. Uh, and so it made it to the ground. It actually recorded some sounds for the first time, including oh. the sounds of the winds of Venus, which actually, it's another great Burt Baccarat song. Um, the winds of Venus, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then it recorded the sound of the lander hitting the ground mm-hmm. and then the lens cap removal. So that's, uh, of course, a problem from the prior uh, mission. Has been, yep, yep, has been, yep. But in this case, it did, there was a sound from the lens cap being removed. So that's good. I mean, that's, that's, that's probably that good. And then I presume the rest of the sounds were just of the landing vehicle disintegrating and the incredible <laughs> and, uh, pressure and heat and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, eventually it just, it just burst into flames, I think. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, yeah. it seems fitting actually. 
Yeah. Now the the the, the craft itself, uh, separate apart from the lander, lasted about a year, and then it exploded too. Ah, um, nice. But the the lander lasted 120. Seven minutes, and, and look, there were some beautiful photos of the uh, planet Venus that were taken. It looks kind of, um, it looks kind of like Palm Springs, California, in August. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not, uh, you know, I mean that. For those that have been there, you know, I mean that's not a that's not a that's not a compliment, really. I mean, it, you know, the the folks in the Chamber of Commerce on Venus would not appreciate that reference. Yeah, so that's. Uh, <laughs> That's, uh, that's, that's true. Um, but here, here's the interesting point, right? The lander functioned for 127 minutes in total from when it was shot out of the craft, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and this is a quote, the planned uh, design life was for 32 minutes. Oh, hey, let me tell you what. That's a, that's a grand slam if all you were looking for was 32 and you got 127. It seems to, but then the question begs the question, if you're only going to get 32 and it takes an hour to get to the surface, what's the point? Well, again, these are not questions commonly asked in the former Soviet Union. What's the point? Why are we doing this? Who's in charge? Those kinds of things that get you killed. And so, you know, if you're told, hey, get yourself over there and build a Venera spacecraft, that's what you do. I mean, yeah. In fact, you probably built two. Looks like they built two. You build two, you launch them, a, you know, a couple of days apart, and then you go home and have a, you know, frosty vodka. Job well done. Yeah, fill up the bird feeder and watch the birds and the gackles go at it. You think there are any gackles yeah. on the planet Venus? I, well, I, 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 I wouldn't know. I, I've not been there myself, but I can imagine that if there were, that, you know, based on the reports we're getting back from the Venera landers, crusty eyeballs would be, you know, sort of low on the list of concerns. Yeah. For those gackles. Yeah. How long do you think a gackle would last, a dead gackle even would last on the planet Venus? Not long. Not long. Not long, my friend. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, this is the, these are all things that you have to probe and are very important in the context of business decision making. Do you make one, you know, $200 million rocket ship or do you make two? Do you launch them at one of the warmest planets in the solar system or not? Um, well, they had a VLO, David. They had, a VLO, they had a Venus launch opportunity. Yeah, well, there was a five I don't know day. what that means, but I, apparently when you have one of those, you, you know, you get after it. I, I would happily tell you what it means, but I, there's no link to it within the IPedia, other, the IPedia <laughs> Wikipedia page that I'm reading from. Uh, Maybe I should go to IPedia. <laughs> yeah, IPedia would tell you. Maybe. I mean, it can get, you know, moody this time of year, especially. It likes the Olympics. Yeah. Well, Brad, I think we've reached the uh, end of our proverbial rope for uh, this uh, probably. episode. Yeah, probably. We probably went a few inches actually beyond the end of the rope, but that's fine. You know, anyone can get to the end of the rope and say, well, geez, I've, I've reached the end of the rope. I'll stop. You and I, it's never stopped us. We'll just keep going. No, we will. Yeah. Sort of like when, you know, the roadrunner runs off a cliff and doesn't fall because he's, you know, he's never studied gravity. So he's all set. But the coyote is smoking it in. Yeah, but you just don't want to bring those roadrunners together at a feeding station or they'll get crusty eyes and die. Yeah, no, or allow them to bathe. Again, if you're a bird, have some, you know, courtesy and social distance like the rest of us. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I wear my mask for you, not for me. Exactly. Well, buddy, there you have it. I mean, I'm excited to know that, you know, whether or not it's next week or the following week, who knows, 
but there will be a Venera 14. I'm looking forward to that. I have no idea how many Veneras there are, but I'm going to be disappointed when they run out. And if you, the listener, are like me, then all I can do is encourage you to come back next week and hear about that here on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.